This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's erotic, exotic, hypnotic, that's for sure. Put a smile on your face to take you to a place you've never been before. Uh, Let it all hang out. You want to scream and shout? Don't you want to get out of line? Everybody, what time is it? It's time for episode 152 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Jetson's there, Billy Head. The goal, Chris Billy, Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield. Oi. Thank you. Rupian Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! And good evening, everybody. So welcome to uh, episode 152 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Um, joining myself, Matt Shaw, today I have a man who's known to bust a few moves in the South Stand. It's Dan Pozzaporit mm-hmm. and a man who's had his Chick-fil-A for now. It's one half of the excellent Utabia Terrier. It's David Hartrick. Good evening, chaps. How are we, how are we doing? Yeah, evening. Good. This is Fantastic. like a holiday for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a treat that you didn't know that you needed. Um, so yeah, good, uh, good, uh, good evening to everybody who's listening online. We've got, um, 20 or so people watching us online at the minute so which is nice to see so good evening to everybody um before i get going obviously it's chicho time isn't it so this episode sponsored by magic rock brewing uh use code ahttc10 at checkout on the website www.magicrockbrewing.com for 10 percent off your online orders so thank you to magic rock for their continued sponsorship of the podcast so uh today we're going to uh, look into huddersfield town against Cardiff, and then we'll have a little bit of an update on the uh, manager search as well afterwards with excellent insight, as always, from 
the Rosa and Mr. Hartrick as well. So, guys, so Huddersfield Town 1, Cardiff nil. So those of you listening online, if you uh, let us know your thoughts on the game and then I'll read some of the best ones out uh, when we get to the end of our little section as well. So, guys, sweet, sweet structure, structure. It's what I craved and didn't realise. What a difference a, a balanced system makes, really. Uh, town going back to really what made us successful last season in reverting to what you would refer to as a solid base, really. Not so much the, the you know the formation and the way they lined up, but more so in terms of you know keeping things tight at the back, you know not over committing in certain areas, uh, and it worked, Dave, didn't it? So um, welcome back to uh, the other podcast, as you describe it on uh, on yours. Um, but yeah, great. Good day, wasn't it? Huddersfield Town needed that, didn't they? They did. And I, I, I don't think they did anything out of the ordinary. I don't think they, they, you know, really sort of pushed on. I don't think it was like a, a brilliant performance. They did just enough. But it's been a long time since they've done just enough. And I think it was quite impressive that they actually managed to come out of the blocks and, and get Cardiff turned round several times in the first 10, which is something we haven't seen for quite a while. And there was just a lot more intent. You see, when you have a structure and a system that gets round pegs in round holes, there's a lot more trust in other positions on the pitch. And you could see yesterday that there were a few players who were sort of reveling in the fact that there was they were sort of a lot more comfortable than they've been in recent weeks. And yeah, it's uh, it paid off. And a bold first uh, first eleven as well, you know, going roads over Ward. But ultimately, he was proven right. Uh, pause. So the goal itself, nice nice and early, wasn't it? It got you guys in the south stand all, all riled up. And we'll talk about the backing that the, the Cowshed Loyal, uh, the difference it makes as well. Um, but the goal itself was actually a really nice play from town. Dwayne Holmes, I know you're a massive fan of Dwayne. Pivotal, it really, in that with a nice little run. Uh, and a great finish by Jordan Rhodes. And I think, personally, like Dave's just touched on, Jordan Rhodes really deserved to start over Danny Ward. I think Jordan's uh, been decent when he's come on. He's looked uh, he's looked fit. He's looked really hungry. Uh, Danny Ward maybe just had a slight blip, hasn't he, the last couple of games, and, and Jordan Rhodes has repaid that double. Yeah, it were, as, as Dave touched on there, quite a, a different selection to what probably most people would think. You know, sort of interim manager just comes in and... You know, to make radical, well, I say radical changes, to make as many changes as he did, um, you know, that's off to him for for doing for doing that. Um, I think Rhodes is a different option to Ward. You can you can be a little bit more direct. You can sort of play up to his head a lot more um, rather than you know with Ward. You seem to have to kind of like play in behind almost for him to sort of chase on to. But it were a, it were a good strike. It were it were a, a, a strike that Jordan Rhodes. Um, you know that's what he's there for. It were almost a, a half chance, really. It weren't. You know, it weren't on a plate, and he's kind of, as you say, you know, Holmes carries it in, and it, it falls to Rhodes, and you know, edge at box, and he's, he's kind of just looked up and, and smashed it in. Really, a very instinctive goal. Um, I think that just settled everybody down a little bit. I think it's always strange when a manager leaves. Um, they just have a different feel around the stadium, and I think the the high tempo for the first sort of ten fifteen minutes it, it kept the crowd on on side, and um, it's just something that we've, we've potentially been lacking uh, under Danny Schofield, and I'm, I'm not really quite sure why that was. We never really seemed to come out of the block; it were almost let's you know kind of sit and see what the opposition have got, 
and then go from there. And, and on Saturday yesterday, it seemed to be more the other way around. It was like, let's get in Cardiff faces. And uh, I think just as much as the result were important yesterday, I think the way that the team played were, were equally as important. And we got we got both, luckily. The team came out of the blocks and uh, obviously we picked up the three points. Everybody everybody goes home happy. Um, yeah, so I'm just, I'm just, there seems to be some breaking news coming in <clears throat> at the moment. Um, it looks like Carlos Carbron's been sacked from Olympiacos. There we go. So managers falling left, right, centre. So interesting. Um, Not a surprise yeah. that one. No, it was madness, wasn't it, over there? But we'll we'll come to managers shortly. But that's a, a very interesting, interesting uh, situation developing there. Okay, so uh, moving on. So. Yes, so for me it was the the structure, Dave, we mentioned, wasn't it? That just allowed Huddersfield Town to build on things. And I think when you play a structure like that, it allows you to have breathers in game in games as well because you, you're in shape. I thought the back four was decent and I thought Nakayama actually looked really comfortable at left-back. It didn't look particularly comfortable in the opposition half, but there were little things he did. There was a, a pass which he tried to play through, I think was to... Um, Possibly Pat Jones. I can't quite remember, Dave. It was in the second half where he, he spotted it from mm. left back and straight through to the striker. Um, watch out for those because I think that's something that Nakayama can do, passing from deep with um, passes out. So that was an interesting introduction, what he can do there. I thought Mikhail Helic was excellent at the back. There's eight clearances there. I thought he was much better, um, very commanding. And Tom Lees looked really happy next to a commanding defender as well, didn't he? Tom Lees went about his business quite nice and quietly. And so did Oliver Turton. Oliver Turton, I didn't think it had a particularly great start to this season, but he was back to looking at his happiest, I think, as a, as an orthodox right back. And you've got to give Turton a lot of credit for uh, putting his head in in the last 10 minutes where there was a cross from the right-hand side came over mm. and it looked like it was the favourite for the uh, Cardiff attacker and Turton's got his head there and he's taken a big hit to the head for, for the team there. So great credit to the entire, entire back four. Um one thing to think about, though, is the Cardiff penalty. So I'll throw this out to the guys watching as well. So um, did you think this was a penalty? Um, I thought the referee was abysmal, if I'm honest, all game. I think there was things that he didn't give to both sides. Uh, having watched the penalty incident back, I think it's probably one thing he maybe got right, actually. I think Tino's more or less made contact with the opposition striker's head and once you kick somebody in the head in the penalty box it's probably a penalty isn't it Dave yeah the the high foot rule is I I mean I I thought it was an appropriate punishment when it used to be an indirect free kick in the box because if you've got a high foot there and it's intentional then that should be a penalty because it's a foul but in those situations where you're just trying to clear the ball and you can see he's he's got no idea where the man is. He's just trying to clear it out. You sort of think, well, yeah, maybe going back to that indirect free kick would have been the best way. But it is dangerous play because he's not aware of his surroundings. So, yeah, if you're if you're arguing against it, you're sort of arguing against the the rule really rather than the decision. I don't think the referee could have could have given anything else. But yeah, it, I mean, it was a really poor penalty, wasn't it? Staggeringly poor. I didn't realise till I watched it back on the highlights. Uh, he was mucking around, wasn't he? He did it as a no look penalty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Well, that's what you get for mucking around. You you get everything you deserve. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
pause. Obviously, you didn't get a good view of it, did you, from the other end? I don't know if you've managed to watch that back, but me and Dave think it's a penalty. Um, there was a second incident as well, wasn't there, with Rodoni uh, on the edge of the box, and that looked very sort of touch and go and a little bit inconclusive. But I think overall, in terms of penalties, I, I don't think we've got much to argue about there, do we? No, I think as, as you know, Dave's already mentioned, it's a high foot in the area. I do sometimes feel a little bit sorry for um, you know players who give penalties away like that. And as you know, you 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 put your foot up; it's there to, to almost be controlled or or cleared. Sometimes an opposition player can kind of just steam in, and and you know your boot connects with the red, or their head connects with your boot rather than it being intentional. But if that's in middle of the field, it's a free kick all day long. So on the same token, if it's in area, it's got to be a penalty. So you can't come away for, you know, you can't be too critical of, you know, of the referee. And it ultimately, Lee Nichols saves it and it, it doesn't particularly matter. It's interesting though, because I think we've conceded, is that our third penalty we've conceded now on this season? And uh, it's been a long time since there's been that many penalties at Huddersfield Town. So maybe it's something to, to work get on. Many, do we? Give penalties away. <laughs> We never get any. Concede them easily. Yeah, to to be honest, the referee. I thought the referee had an absolute stinker the whole way through. I know you thought differently. Me, we, me, you, and Cosy were chatting about it, weren't we, uh, yesterday on WhatsApp? And I, I, and up where I sit, people were absolutely all the way through chuntering about how bad the referee was. Even afterwards, I could mm. hear people walking. It wasn't the fact that we'd won; they were just banging on about how bad the referee was. But I, I was just delighted for. Chicho, I was on Chicho watch um, where I sit. It's you get a really good view of um, the dugout, and um, so when Carlos did his big knee slide last year, it was right sort of down in front, and it was a brilliant view from it. And watching Chicho on the sidelines, he was living and breathing every moment. He was he was kicking every ball. He was running up and down the touchline. He was trying to raise the crowd constantly like this, and he was he was superb entertainment was Chicho and 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 Dave as well. You've you've got first-hand experience haven't you in the in the press room for what it's like and he seems a lovely <laughs> bloke as well doesn't he so you got to be really yeah. happy for one of the good guys getting a, a w he he came in um to the press conference and he came around before he sat down and he shook everybody in the room's hand which was it's not something i've ever seen before but it was lovely and he answered every question really enthusiastically he was properly delighted by the result somebody sort of hinted you know do you fancy a little go at the job do you fancy something longer term and he was absolutely adamant no thank you I'm just here to be an assistant coach I'm just here to help the next man in um and he was he was absolutely positive about that there was no sort of nod to camera or wink or anything like that he's um talked about how much he's enjoying the area the reason he didn't want to go was because he, he, you know, he had the off to go with Carlos, but he said it's it's the best second division in the world, in his own words, and he's loving being in the area and he's loving working in England. So, and I think that's brilliant. And he he finished his press conference and went round and shook all our hands again on the on the way out. You know, just a really genuinely nice bloke who just sort of loved his loved his afternoon. But he's got the thing. It's important to say he's got quite a serious mode as well. He he doesn't suffer falls gladly um and i think town i think they needed a bit of that this week and i think they needed a bit of that on the sideline as well this week and it was it was good to see him you know get involved in a little ruck on the sideline as well because he was was he was passionate he was into it you know he was he was 
that I think my main criticism of, of Danny's management more than anything else was that he was too passive. Um, the games would happen to his teams rather than his teams affecting themselves on the game. And uh, you just didn't get that yesterday. And that was because it was being driven by the bench. And I thought that was, uh, it was really noticeable and it was, it was really great to see, really great to see. So if it's Chicho for a couple of games, I don't think that's a bad thing by any stretch. Paz, you've obviously, as part of the Cowshed Loyal, um, you from time to time manage to speak to a coach here and there, don't you? And you had your, your thing with uh, Carlos down at Magic Rock, didn't you, as well? Um, they've mentioned previous seasons, this season, that the difference at uh, the back end of the Cowshed Loyal makes is huge. You know, it's been mentioned in our WhatsApp group, hasn't it? and I'll keep harping back to this that only us have access to, um, that it's made a difference again on Saturday. Um, I, I did think the smattering of booze for Sauber Thomas was a little bit unwarranted, which didn't just come from your end, it came from around around the ground. Uh, I think as fans we may be better than that. But I thought overall the, the feeling of the crowd was better, you know, the, the noise levels were better, and everybody just seemed more positive, and it just seemed to... And it's nothing to do, I don't think, with Danny Schofield himself. It just felt like something something had happened and everybody had wrapped around and, and tried to push the team on. Yeah, as you, as you say, there's you know various people down at town who, who kind of contact us as and when needed, really. Um, and, and we had, you know, quite a good conversation with some of our coaching staff as, you know, the, the messages went out on social media and they were really keen to tell us that they'd, Got into the players in their in their words, and you know, beat them up. And I think they've probably gone around and, and explained to them how important this match would be because it is that kind of turning point. Obviously, you lose a manager, and the next match always is a good chance for players that maybe have been a little bit out of form or not been playing to to come into the side and make and you know make a stake to. to be the first name on the team sheet as and when somebody else comes in. So I don't know, you obviously talk about new manager bounce and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes it's just as an old manager leaves, there's something just changes. I think Dave's bang on with regards to how Scofield probably spoke to the players. He, he was still young. He didn't really have any experience on managing a group of, you know, quite a different range of how people might respond to different situations. And I think, Obviously, the staff on the back room have been there through it with Carlos, and they probably maybe had a little bit of a clearer idea of who to give a bollock into, who to put their hands around. And I think it probably all culminated in that, you know, we, we do really need to get a win because if not, we were, you know, we're struggling already. We're at five points off relegation um, safety before, and another game down, and, you know, then going into international break with, with two weeks without a game, it's, it's really difficult for fans to. You know, to come back after that with a with a positive mindset, whereas now that has that has all changed. But in regards to kind of the atmosphere and and that, yeah, we're good. And I think a lot of it does stem from how the team approached it. They came out of the blocks. They got, you know, they got forward. They got at Cardiff. Obviously, the other goal massively helps. But even even second half when game kind of almost petered out and Cardiff kind of got on top. The, the crowd raised it, not just. You know, not just us in Southstand, it were coming from all four sides at, at some points. And I think that, that win just meant so much to everybody, players, fans, staff alike, that it kind of almost almost felt like we were going to get over the line. I think the 
Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Ollie Turton header at the back post. You know, that kind of epitomised it. It were body on the line. Uh, although, I don't know, I think Lee Nichols appreciated how much he'd probably been hurt because he went down and Lee Nichols just grabbed him and threw, <laughs> threw him back into right back position, which I thought were a little bit harsh. He could have, you know, given him a minute to recompose himself. But that's the kind of feeling that it had. It had everybody fighting and singing from the same hymn sheet, for want of a better phrase. Uh, and, you know, great to see him long, mate, continue. I spoke to... I spoke. I, I'm not going to betray confidence, so I'm not going to say who it was. But I, I spoke to more than one person before the game about what had gone on this week, and the the key thing, the key message to the players was, like Danny Schofield's gone, but this isn't all Danny Schofield's fault. Mm. You know, they they really did get into him about standards and raising the standards and raising the effort because they just didn't feel it been there so far this season and I thought it was really noticeable that you had a player like Dwayne Holmes who's got a standard innovation coming off never stopped running and whose tactical mission on the game was just to be a pest and tie up an entire side of the pitch for for Cardiff and he, he did it really really well and you had like you said you had the Turton moment you had Helic had a really proactive game coming out heading everything away and it's just things we haven't seen. And then you've got the energy of that that midfield two in the four two three, Kasumu and, and Camera. Uh, just so much aggression, so much energy, so much pace. You can't play it against every everybody in the league. There are you can't play it in every tactical system. But what yesterday needed was a result, and the way to get that result was just to be a little bit quicker, a little bit more aggressive, first to the ball, first to second balls, get in there, get the crowd on side. They picked the perfect side to do it and they, they got what they wanted out of the game. Yeah, I was going to say Lee Nichols' booking pause was was it was funny in front of you, wasn't it, where he went to pick up the ball and then their guy ran over and pushed him and Nichols got booked for it. I thought that was... Uh... Yeah, I think you were pretending it when you were a dead body. Well, funny actually, because when we went one nil up, I said to a bloke next to me, I said, "Just get a tenner on Nichols to get booked here, because uh, as soon as we're in front, he's, he's renowned for a bit of a time yeah, waste." I like him; he's uh, he's a funny guy. There's a lot of players like Dave mentioned, Dwayne Holmes. As uh, again, I don't really want this to feel like a, a stab at Schofield, but maybe it is. There's a lot of players look a few players, I should say, looked a bit more back to their old self and maybe you think the the theory that we had whereby the players didn't want to play for Schofield, maybe that was true and you look at Dwayne Holmes as one of them, he looked a lot happier with doing what he was doing. Maybe it's down to instruction a lot of it. Lee Nichols was one who looked a lot happier. He was um, he was a bit more um, back to his old self, wasn't he? And he was a bit more interaction as well. He was you know up to his old tricks and he was trying to wind up the, the cowshed loyal at one point as well. Um Feels like a shame for Scully, doesn't it? But we we have to move on, I guess. It's a, it's a weird thing because it's like you. The end of the day, you Danny Schofield's your boss, so you should play like that, whether you like him, don't like him, believe in his tactics, don't believe in his tactics. You know, I'm sure we all work with people above us that we don't always like, but you know, end of the day, you've got a job to do, and it's it is a little bit of a shame that you've seen that effort and you've seen that performance on Saturday, yet that's been lacking previously. So yeah, you can you can sort of go through the rumor mill of players weren't playing for him, and after seeing that on Saturday, it, it rings a little bit more true. And you've kind of got to ask yourself why that might be. To, you know, without without going, I know Dave, you spoke to people, but I was going to say we got the very same vibe from 
you know, our contact at the club as in this has not been good enough and you were the fans mm-hmm. at the performance and that's kind of what it felt like to me. Yesterday. I, I think what it's important to say is like, when you say not playing for the manager, I don't necessarily think it's a conscious thing. I don't think there are players in the team who are going, I'm not going to lift a leg today. It's more about you've just had two years of a manager who, like, relentless. That's that's what he is. And his preparation in the dressing room, on the training pitch, relentless. In his detail, everything you know that there, there were plans for plans for plans and often those plans were just to do the original plan better but everything was refined everything was tweaked and what that does is like standards are just through the roof and players are sort of walking around wired to the moon you know because mm-hmm. they have a lot to remember they have a lot tactically to take on and i don't think it's a case that they weren't playing for danny Schofield, but i think what's happened is danny Schofield has come in and the standard has just dropped from insanely relentless to just demanding a hell of a lot. Now, that sounds a funny way to put it, but that's sort of genuinely all it needs to suddenly look like they've dropped a mile off, which I think mm. is, is what has happened. And they've sort of restored this week. It's not like they've gone full Corbin and it's been, you know, 100 instructions for every player for every match or anything like that. It's just that it's it's put back to the forefront of the players' minds, energy, aggression, get into everything, go for everything, don't give anything up. So it's just, it's not that the players weren't playing for him, I don't think. It's just that subconscious, just taking it down one notch. It suddenly becomes really noticeable when you've got six or seven players in the pitch who've, who've taken it down a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. I can, I can kind of see. It's a little bit like getting a substitute teacher at school, I'd imagine. You know, exactly that, yeah. You work, you work hard for your normal teacher, someone pops in for a couple of lessons and it's like, do you know what, we could probably just chill out a little bit now. And As you mm. say, it's probably a, a little bit of a subconscious thing. And Yeah, yeah, that is it's a fair assessment, is that, Dave, to be fair. Right, let's uh, have a look at Etienne Kamara. So Etienne Kamara made his first start for Huddersfield Town in the Championship, which was... Great to see. Uh, it's uh, a player that I've championed um, a lot on this podcast. I think, Dave, you've, you like him as well, don't you? And Poz um, is a player that uh, quite a few of us have tipped or tipped at the start of the season to be a breakout player as well. So he's made a, a fantastic start on that, and so has Pat Jones and one or two others. Um, but, Thank you know, you. you look at the stats from the game, you know, he's made more passes than anyone else from Huddersfield Town on the pitch, more successful passes. His passing accuracy is up there with the best uh, for anyone who's made over 15 passes during the game, uh, more passes into the in the opposition half, which showed that he was progressive with the ball as well, and not just you know giving it easy and going backwards. Um, his accuracy there is 76.9 percent, which is really good in in an opposition half. Um, his fifth, uh, sorry, five tackles, which was second overall in the team. Four interceptions, which is second again, and his first for key passes as well. And I don't think you can discuss how good he was without his partner in crime David Kasumu as well and the pair of them like Dave said earlier were just everywhere weren't they they were like Jonathan Hogg minus five years on the old legs there weren't they you know they were here there everywhere Kasumu such an angry tackler as well such he loves a big tackle doesn't he and you can see why he's he gets so many bookings as well with some of the some of the ones that he throws in there the 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 time where Kamara should have had a foul 
and then both Dwayne Holmes and uh, and David Kasumi were launched into uh, an assault was <laughs> was something to witness after that. Um, but yeah, they were they were fantastic. The pair of them, and there's not a lot of experience there, but there's a lot of youthful exuberance, Dave, isn't there? And and they look like they could be a a really formidable pivot, if you like, in in midfield. And like you say, maybe they're not for every game, but they've got a really fine balance there, which could um, which could be you know, a real sort of uh, tool for Huddersfield moving forward. Yeah, very much so. I think the the thing about Etienne, as somebody who's seen him quite a bit in youth football, he's got a tendency to take a touch too many, which he did once in the first half and nearly got in trouble. And he did once in the second half and nearly got in trouble. He's going to do that. He's a very young lad, very little first team experience, but there is a lot of hope around him because his his basic skill set is so high. You know, he's got naturally, he's got uh, everything you would want from a midfielder. And having being the age he is and having the pace he he has, a lot of the times he gets himself into trouble. He's going to be able to get himself out anyway. So yeah, he's he's a really interesting player going forward. And it it's no surprise that if you put the two of them together, town suddenly look get their first clean sheet and suddenly look a, a lot more solid because what you what Tom Lees has struggled with this season and why he's looked nothing like he did last season is because he's been exposed so many times. He's used to having a second to make his decision because the level of cover in front of him in a Corbin town side was always really, really good because one of the cor- things Corbin wanted was at least one man in front of that back three or two or however he decided to play it. So all your defenders have then got an extra couple of seconds to make their decision. And Lees was brilliant last season because he can just pick his moment. What he's had to do this season is commit and commit early a hell of a lot. And he's been uncomfortable at times. Having those two in front of that defence suddenly makes them all look more comfortable again. And there's there's a reason for that. And um, if at some point we can have Kasumu, Kamara, Pearson and Helic playing, <laughs> that's quite an aggressive four for any centre-forward to go up against. So... Yeah, I, I think you stick with them for the time being because what you want is a relationship to build and you want some time on a pitch for both of them, one for fitness, one for experience. And then once you've got sort of 10 games and you can see the understanding and work out the strengths and weaknesses, then there are games you may have to pick and choose because, as I said, there are teams who will be able to play through that and play around that. But yeah, it's people know my feelings on John Russell. I'm not going to go over them again. And it's not that I think he's a bad player by any stretch, but you think he's what I him, wanted, <laughs> according to, according to a lot of people on Twitter, no, but what I want to see in there is that, that energy and that aggression again, because it makes the defense work better. It makes them look better because it works better. And that's how town have set up for a couple of years. So it's no surprise that when you go back to doing that with different personnel, but personnel that, that fit round pegs in round holes again, mm. you suddenly get three points. So, yeah, so no one, just to, just to best, best address that pause before we go, no one actually thinks John Russell is, is shit, by the way, just in case anyone kicks <laughs> off. But um yeah, well, yeah. If oh, he's such a nice guy as well, if he listened and thought we were, we thought we were slagging him off, I'd be so upset <laughs> that John Russell had, had heard us say bad things. But 
to be fair, John Russell, this new uh, this four two three one shape and and the sort of uh, protection that they played with that actually feeds more into uh, John Russell's strengths, doesn't it, Dave? As well, then I'll come to you, Pos. Um, you know that four two three one shape, a Kamara or a Kasumu next to him, and all of a sudden John Russell. Uh, looks a completely different player, I think, and and I think he can come back, can't he, from from where he's been and and produce again. Yeah, I, I mean, there is the I've, speed the, the, issue, the, isn't there? But there's more than one person at the club, and and I completely agree, and it's something me and Steve have. I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod, but we've certainly talked about it a lot in real life. I still think with John Russell, you could do far worse than trying to turn him into a bit of a Marouane Fellaini, just playing higher up, being a real tough thing, tough player to defend against, just doing sort of certain things really, really well in, in certain games. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I, what he can't do is just play as like a pure two in the middle in front of that defence because he just doesn't offer the cover that, that the others do. The four two three one, you're right, it does play more to his strengths. But you could clearly see a little triangle there with Rodoni as well um, developing that you just think, all right, let's put some time into that now. Let's see how that goes on for five to ten games. And of course, there's the Kamara left foot, Kasumu right foot combo as well, which offers that nice balance. But jump in, Pos, because you were going to make a, a point before yeah, I really well, cut you off. Potentially, um, similar to what Dave was just speaking about, you could put Russell in with Kasumu and, and Kamara and 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 all not as the middle one. I forget what everything's called now. The number ten. So we say that you know that little role just in front of those mm. two because if they break up the play, then they can just pass it to Russell and then Russell can do what he, he's good at, which is the you know the passing. He's not. He, he reminds me of I think I said it before, Chris, like a Chris Marsden type. He's not going to run around and putting tackles in. He's just not that makeup of a player. Whereas if he's got two players like that who can do that for him and then give him the ball. I think that's when John Russell will potentially flourish. And if he's mm-hmm. playing 10 yards inside an opposition half rather than 10 yards inside his own half, I think that's where he'd potentially be a lot more comfortable. Obviously, you've got then a decision to make on who you, who do you take out. You know, Rodone, Holmes, someone's going to have to make way for him, Thomas. Um, you know, so it's a decision that, that needs to be made. And I'm sure whoever comes in will potentially have a look at that because I fully agree with Dave the, the defence looks so much solid at A because it were it was kind of like a straight back four there were no interchange and everybody kind of knew the job and they just had that little bit more protection in, in front of them there were a couple of times you know they just winning an header and either Kamara or Kasuma would just pop in and, and collect that ball whereas you know when you've got someone like Russell in there it's like it takes him a couple of seconds to think oh shit I, that's dropped I need to be there whereas these two are kind of it's, it's a natural ability that they have to kind of get that second ball. Um, so I think there is a place for Russell, you know, Russell Town. And I think no, I think everybody would agree that there is massive improvements in areas that he can make. We saw it even last season, you know, he carries the ball a little bit too long sometimes. He's just a little bit slow on the turn. And if he's going to carry on playing at this level or above, they're the sort of things that hopefully, and I'd imagine they are, have been picked up by coaching staff because I'm sure if, you know, us or me as an absolute, um, you know, just a, a fan can see it. I'm sure they can, and I'm, I'm pretty certain they'll be working on stuff like that with him because he's not a bad player at all. He just needs to find a specific role within within the side, and maybe under 
you know, Schofield, they were being asked to do something that they weren't really cut out to do. Um, as, as Dave's mentioned, one of the things that frustrated me is the is the players that were square pegs in round holes. I, I can't, it really annoys me when any manager does that. You know, you've got a right back, play him at right back. You've got a left back, play him at left back. If if your right back's injured, use another right back. Don't put a right winger there or a centre half there. Use another right back. And sometimes you can overcomplicate it and it weakens two areas. That's Robert Thomas on the left. There's obviously a thinking behind that, but he's better on right, so play him on right. You know, he's coming for a lot of stick and it's probably not his fault because he's been asked to play out of position. And he's still done well, I think. He's created a lot of chances from that position. And I think, Matt, you alluded to the, the bit of a booze when he got on. I dare say if people have been on social media and Twitter over the last week, they've probably seen a few things that hasn't done Thomas any favours. But as an actual player this season, he's been nowhere near as, as bad as people are making out. And I guess getting back on his right wing, getting back on his favourite spot and... You know, let, let's see how it goes. Uh, sorry, I kind of gone off on a little bit of a tangent there, but it just kind of feeds into the what they did on Saturday that made it work better than what's been going on previously. Yeah, didn't look like him on self. He needs a bit of love to sober, doesn't he, to get him back on his feet, I think. Mm. The old does, arm yeah, around but, the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, the old he's arm around the shoulder. He's only because last year everybody loved him. You know, he was fans' favourite. You were doing the dance that. with him, weren't you? I, 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 I still got that video somewhere with you both going like this, like the Bushwhackers. I lost it, like it nearly 40 years old and doing stupid stuff like that. You know, that's kind of the effect that he had on people. But you don't My go little boy was that. doing it on Saturday as well when he came on. Yeah, yeah. You don't go from that level of, you know, adulation to being booed on within nine games. Mm. That's, just, that's just not right, is that? That's just not fair. Um, yeah, one thing one thing I would add as well, it's doing him no favors because he's a player and he's a lad who's he's he's all heart. You know, he wears his emotions on his his sleeve. You know what he's thinking. Um, so if you want to get the best from him, that's just not the way to do it because mm. I don't think he's somebody who hears that and it really drives him and he gets angry and he thinks okay I'm going to show you wrong I think it actually affects him the other way so I think the best thing people can do is actually just try and get behind him because you saw last season that a, a fully fit and banging form Sorba Thomas makes a huge difference to Huddersfield Town yeah, I'll tell you a story. I've, you've t- I've probably told you two this story before, haven't I? But there's a, so my little boy's four, and he goes to uh, he trains because we live in Leeds, so he goes and trains football in Leeds. And most of the kids there are Le- Leeds Liverpool sort of fans or fans of Premier League football, and um, and so are the coaches. So at the end, they all sit down. They all sit down. The coach sort of and they give them out these little cards, you know, like um, match tax cards or something, and they have them specifically mm-hmm. made for the for the company that they are and what they'll do is they'll sit down and say this player here he's one of the best so he's one of the best players in the world he'll be going to the world cup this year he can do this this and this and this and they're related to what they've worked on he's a fantastic player who knows what player this is and it's like this is one of the best players in the world and there's a lot of four-year-olds looking you know open-eyed mouths open and actually do you know anyone knows who this is and they'll hold it up and then they're all quiet and then this little voice out of nowhere goes Sober Thomas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if anyone, so and the, the, every time he does it, he does, he's done it a couple of times. And the picture, the face of the coach is just like so confused. <laughs> like, where's that come from? And um, 
But yeah, if you know, there you go, Sober Thomas. If if no one loves you, Charlie does. So uh, fear not, you've got one fan still. So, um, right. So what we'll do now is we'll go to live across to our studio audience at uh, takes that chance towers at YouTube. I'm just gonna fire a poll into the mix. Uh, I don't, I don't mean Michael. Can I can I put in a request, Matt? You can. <laughs> Which I don't get to do on my own pod. I can't, for some reason, I can't track the Detroit Lions score, my beloved Lions. So if anyone in the comments could check the score <laughs> for me, I would be much appreciated because I can't get on. It's not, my app's not updating. What is the Detroit Lions? Is it ice hockey? No. NFL. The NFL, what if it's Friday night? They're yeah. winning 36-27. Oh, get in. We'll still find so... a way to lose. <laughs> I think it's finished. <laughs> Uh, right, so let's go to uh, YouTube. So uh, Matt says, Kamara and Kasuma, exactly what we needed. Legs, bites, energy, a double pivot to build on. Uh, Mark Harrison says, Helic was everything we were missing. Big, strong, no-nonsense defending. I think it's probably worth mm. mentioning that Mikel Helic isn't 100% fit yet. So um, it'll be interesting. Mm. I, I, I loved him when he was at Barnsley. I thought he was outstanding. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing 100% My, um... Mikel Helic. My favourite comment on Helic yesterday was came from John Dobson, who was commentating for the hospital radio, and he came up to me afterwards and he said, "There's clearly no Polish word for faffing around, is there?" <laughs> nice. Uh, Adam Kershaw says, "Didn't see too much of the game, but it seemed our midfield flowed much better. It did, Adam. It did." Uh, Terrier seven and two says, "Players looked a lot more comfortable and knew what they were supposed to be doing." I think we covered that, didn't we? And just the shape of the system; it was just important. Just to, as Poser would say to his uh, under fourteens, "Get back to basics, Poz." That's what it was all about, wasn't it? Um, ben Wilson has just touched on the Cobra and been sacked from Olympiacos. So has Harry Hall. Cheese of the month. What a name that is for YouTube. Says grass isn't always greener, is it? Uh, then we've got Carlos going to Forest. We've got, here we go, we're back on track. Tony Bailey says, I thought it was a penalty, but the player absolutely bought it. Um, cheese of the month. I, I think that's probably the best name we've got in the uh, in the YouTube comments so far this week. Uh, it says, terrible referee, but you can't put your foot up in the penalty area anymore, which is true. Uh, Jonathan Denny says, not playing out from the back helped massively. Town fans hate playing out from the back. I think they're all Polish, Dave. You know, Get it. <laughs> um, Tony Bailey says, forget the ref the line was awful uh, Gary says uh, he agrees on the not playing out from the back and being more direct had to be in this game well done Chicho mm. and his team I think it's about uh, can I just... risks as much as anything isn't it Dave yeah I was just going to say I don't think it got reported anywhere and I don't think the presser after the game was filmed but somebody actually asked him and said um, on the goal kicks he said I see you you were, were kicking it out from the goal kicks predominantly. And he said, yeah, because a goal kick should be a goal kick. And I thought, <laughs> oh, for a Spanish man, that's an incredibly Poz is in English love. View. Look at him. Look at Poz. Yes. <laughs> Poz Bassett's in love. You see, that, that ties into having Jordan Rhodes up there as well, because with Danny Ward, you couldn't... Exactly. That. So, yeah. you know, a bit of joined up thinking going on there. And, you know, as, as keep it simple. Football is a simple game. And, you know, if you want to play a certain way, bring the players into to play that way a simple game for simple people like us uh, we got? yes uh, so uh, Matt says from the Chicho post match it sounds to me like he already knows he will be part of the new manager Wagner in brackets um, management team 
Playing a Wagner 4-2-3-1 as well. It might have been a nod to the future. Conspiracies, tin hats. Um, who knows? Who knows, Matt? Uh, Gary Wilkinson, it would be a travesty if we let him go. Didn't realise how eloquent he is and passionate about the club until this week, and it shows on the pitch. I think that's a, a nice comment about Chicho, isn't it? Who, uh, yeah, I think we've all got a little bit of love for Chicho this week. Uh, and Joseph McGregor says, I need to know whether David, I think Russell is horrible, Hartrick has read all of those books behind him on the bookcase. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Joe also says 27-36 Lions. This is what winds me up about American sports. Sorry, Joe, but the score's backwards. 27-36. Surely Detroit were the home side. I don't, I don't understand how they do that. They do it like... The home but side it, over in the UK is first, but they do like so and so at so and so, don't they? In America, and reverse it round. You weird, Joe. This weird. is great, though. <laughs> this is great. I can't get live updates on my pod. It's no wonder <laughs> Cozzy likes this. Okay. <laughs> oh, Cozzy's watching La Liga well, usually. That's why. This anyway, is why yeah. Cozzy's yeah. not on the pod tonight because it's the Madrid derby. So there you go. If um, you just to, just to fill you in, Matt, if you think I'm a glory in, hunter. The Detroit Lions are the only franchise in the NFL. I've supported them all my all my life. They're the only franchise in the NFL to have never even featured in a Super Bowl, let alone win one. <laughs> they are statistically the worst franchise in NFL history. Are they the Brighton Hove Albion of the NFL? Yeah, Detroit Lions and Brighton and Hove Albion. I picked well as a kid, didn't I? Picked well. And then you come to report on Field Town as well, Dave. So you've yeah. not even done well yeah. there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've got to be honest. I I find the NFL absolute shite. I can't I can't watch it. It's just the most tedious B Tech version of rugby I think there is out there. But we'll move on swiftly because there's some people will disagree with that, especially Joe, who's watching on YouTube. So apologies for that, Joe. I do like Joe though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to round up, Dan Porritt in the comments has just put Pozza in the YouTube comments. I've got no idea what you're doing there, Pozza. You just written it's in an answer to the poll. It's an answer to the poll. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it just says possible. <laughs> in just in, that's all. Oh, dear. Um, yes, yeah, so we've got. Uh, so I have put a poll out there for uh, who people want as the next manager. I've only really given three options because they're towards the top of the betting, which is David Wagner, Anthony Barry, Paul Warren, and another. Please mention in the chat. And obviously, Poz has put other and voted for himself. So it'd be some rise, <laughs> wouldn't it, from Gumusland Clicky and under sevens or eights or whatever it is to Huddersfield Town first team manager. Yeah, but we look at Graham Potter. You we've know. done worse. John Dunworth got a job at Huddersfield Town. <laughs> Jerry Murphy was um, Bradley Rangers. I think he went from Bradley Rangers to Huddersfield Town. So there you go. You know these things happen. Did a good job, did old Jerry. Um, right, okay. So uh, I think that brings us nicely. Joe McGregor's arguing me. He thinks it's the right direction, by the way, to announce the score, but I'll have to disagree very kindly on that one. Uh, right, <laughs> so let's move on to the manager search. So uh, before the game on Saturday was a very candid interview uh, between uh, Johnny Buchan, Radio Leeds, Matt Glennon, uh, who interviewed Lee Bromby. So I always give big credit to Johnny and Matt. I think they're a decent combo when they're on Radio Leeds. I think they're... Uh, really worth listening to so if you guys if anybody doesn't listen to Radio Leeds I think some people can't listen because they have some DAB issues but uh, they're always decent uh, Johnny and Matt so they interviewed Lee I thought I don't know if you've managed to get round to the, listen to this Dave because you were obviously working mm. weren't you on the day Saturday um, yeah I have up. listened there. excellent so I thought firstly I thought what was quite refreshing really was how Lee fronted up 
uh, to the Danny Schofield stuff. Uh, he took it on the chin. Um, and I think in a world of at the minute where nobody gives a direct answer and everybody beats around the bush and it's very political, I think it's quite refreshing, actually, to see someone say, put their hands up and say, do you know what, this is on me, this is my fault. Um, I'll take this on the chin. And do you know what, as soon as he said that, I thought, do you know what, fair enough, because in football, it's usually anybody else's fault apart from their own, isn't it? So I, th- I thought this was quite a refreshing approach from Lee. Mm. Whoever wants to pick that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, they, I couldn't there's, blame anyone else, I've really, had, but... <laughs> no. I've, ha- I've had discussions with people, and there's things I can say and things I can't say, but they knew, they knew with Danny Schofield that they weren't getting the finished article. Danny Schofield was always the succession plan, but they were not expecting him to use him this summer, let alone three weeks before the season started. So I, I think when you have a succession plan, even when the timeline has jumped to that degree, you, there is some merit in at least having a go, at least having a look. And I think there were things they felt they could work on with him that unfortunately just the way it went, it was, it was, you know, it wasn't going to work out longer term. And I think they had to do what they did this week because it's a brutal game and like another two, three, four games. And suddenly that gap can look really, really daunting. And I think, Lee is is very very good at fronting up. I think he he backs himself when he makes a decision, and if he gets it wrong, he will say I've got that wrong. And I think that's exactly the way to to front up after what has happened this week, really. Um, and it it was it was good to hear him talk about the process of making sure the next man in is the right man as well. And speaking about that pause, he went through his list of traits that he wants, which was interesting to hear. We, you know, just really enough, the couple of them, uh, somebody who's available and interested is is the obvious one he mentioned. He made a big thing, actually, about the next coach coming from a a background of successful coaching and having learned from a big name or at a top club, which Mm -hmm. I found quite intriguing because that immediately rules out quite a few people on the list, like Mr. Paul Warren, who we'll discuss afterwards with uh, his interesting interview. Um, so, you know, he mentioned Carlos learnt from Bielsa and David Wagner learnt from Klopp and it was about all about bringing those ideas from Dortmund or from uh, wherever Bielsa used to coach, I can't remember, and then bringing them to Huddersfield and um, implementing, you know, what would make it successful. Um, but also someone with progressive ideas, uh, they need to work within the structure of a, a sporting director, head of, an, head of analysis, head of recruitment, etc., um, he admitted he was interested in Wagner, uh, but he did say that he had not spoken to him about it, although maybe someone else at the club has. You know, who knows if you read into these things. Matt, um, uh, exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. I thought, I thought it was quite clever wordplay, maybe. Um, but as the above maybe rules out Paul Warren, uh, who seemed to give a strange response, didn't he, when he was asked about it, especially about the gambling side of things first. I actually quite like Paul Warren. That, that, that would be quite an interesting one. But uh, yeah, so that maybe rules out something like Paul Warren. But if you look at the um, the odds at the minute, you've got people like Anthony Barry, who uh, who's coached with Chelsea um, and Belgium and Republic of Ireland. So they're obviously, you know, he's obviously going to be within that remit and that structure. You've got um, Liam Manning, who was previously at West Ham, 
uh, and worked with some good coaches at West Ham, so maybe he will be on there. Although, I think, Dave, you might have mentioned this on your podcast, trying to sell somebody who's in the relegation zone in League One mm-hmm. as a progressive appointment in the Championship might be a tough tough trick. But, you know, MK have done the similar thing to what we've done, haven't they? And They've sold all the best players and they're struggling to find mm-hmm. the feet a little bit this season. Uh, so there are um, reasons for that. Uh, and the other one that's quite low down on the list, maybe somebody like Joey Barton uh, at Bristol Rovers. He's you know he's been at Man City, Marseille, Newcastle. He's a bit of a whopper, so I don't think anyone would want him. But when you when you box ticking, whopper wasn't on the on the on the <laughs> next to next to the uh, options, was it? But you know you look at people like that and John Terry as well, and there's quite a few on there and quite a few not on there um, that you could maybe you know, Lee was talking about. So, first of all, David Wagner. Um, you can see in the, in if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see we've all got Wagner as our name, apart from Dave, because if I put David Wagner, that would be just too much, wouldn't it? So you've got to be David Buell. He does look a bit like Wagner tonight, though, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? I think Nearly went, like the, though. <laughs> Are we sending yeah. out little vibes? <laughs> it's like the, like the club's Twitter account, isn't it, Poz? Um I think we, we, we did a Schofield sacking special the other day, me, Brady and Tom. Uh, we touched on David Wagner. I think a lot of people are a little bit nervous about having David Wagner back because we love David Wagner and we don't want a reason to dislike David Wagner, if you like. Mm. Um, because if it goes wrong, then you don't have that white... Yeah, what do you call it, Dave? You don't have that... Um, great white buffalo that's it isn't it to sort of say mm. oh if we only had david wagner everything would be better everything would be shit if david wagner ended up <laughs> doing poorly in this job is what i'm trying to say um so there is that so it's really a game of risk isn't it or you could have david wagner back and we go on a big swashbuckling run and and uh and go up the football league and who knows you know it, but part of me kind of thinks it's more likely to go slightly the other way you'll get the immediate impact everybody will get behind it but is the club the right in the right place at the moment for David Wagner I mentioned this the other day so I don't want to sort of speak too much about this because you know and, and double up on it but essentially Dean it was nice to hear Lee uh, stick up for Dean by the way um, but is Dean the uh, engaged at it chairman that he was in the past which worked well with David Wagner um, or will it re-engage Dean Hoyle? That's the other side of it as well, isn't it? Um, is it going to be a case where David Wagner can come in and get 10 players like he did that summer, 2016-17, and then take them take them to Sweden and go on this massive run, get another 10 players the year after and repeat a similar sort of trick in the Premier League? It's the, the Essentially, to me, feels like David Wagner suits... This is going Liam Neeson here, is this, uh, Dave? But David Wagner suits a particular set of circumstances, and I'm not entirely sure that all of these particular set of circumstances line up fully at the moment. So... I'm still a little 50-50 on this, but I still love David Wagner, Dave. Yeah. Um, people, anybody who listened to the podcast we did in the week, me and Stephen, uh, sort of knows where I am with Wagner, which is that... With John Russell. I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I think it's a lovely idea in theory, but I think if you employ David Wagner it's a safe option in terms of this season because he will get you out of the relegation zone. He will get you into mid table, but I don't think he's necessarily wants to be at the club for the long term. 
gaps. That's one thing. So are you sort of offering them a contract till the summer and then sort of putting all your long-term plans on hold and just saying, okay, well, let's just get through this season. And then you have a, a diff, you could have a difficult situation in the summer where whoever comes in, if David Wagner has got you out of the relegation zone and got you into mid-table and wants to go, whoever comes in, everybody's going to go, well, we just wanted David Wagner. So it's a really <laughs> difficult position to be in there. If it all goes wrong, as you've pointed out, I think a lot of people will sort of brick themselves into a corner and say, well, it wasn't his fault. It was the squad before he got here and the start. Nobody could have done it, which doesn't really hold water either because we've got a very recent example of managers coming to Huddersfield Town in a pretty desperate position and getting them out. I just, I, I just, I don't think it fits with what the, the, the club want to be or what they are now. But, as I said on the podcast this week, I still think it's David Wagner's job to turn down. I think if he, if he wants the job, he gets the job because it's Huddersfield Town and because he's David Wagner. But like longer term, there's no way I think he's going to sit without that sort of total autonomy that he had before, which just doesn't exist in the current structure. So then Town would have to make the decision, do we want David Wagner or do we want to keep the structure? And... I can tell you the structure they've built and the culture they've built, they are desperate to keep going forward because what their vision for the club going forward over the next five, 10 years and beyond is they've created this structure and they want a coach like Carlos Corbran to come and work within it, but also bring something to it so that they can take that. And the next manager who comes in has got, everything that town has set up plus what Corbran has brought to it and they can bring something of themselves to it. So you, you are not resetting every time you bring a manager in, but you are improving what you have. You know, it's very, very clear that they don't want somebody who comes in with a massive backroom staff and pushes people like Clem and, and Narciss to one side, because these are very, very good coaches that they want to work with for the longer term. So it doesn't feel like it suits David Wagner right now. But as I said, if David Wagner wants the job, I think Huddersfield Town have to have to give it to him. I'm just personally, A, not a fan of, of coming back when you've had this sort of success. And B, I just don't think it, it fits with Town right now. If it's deal to the end of the season, I can sort of do that maths in my head and say, OK. But if it if it's a deal for sort of two or, you know, say they, they tied him down for two or three years, I just think the standard he's going to be measured against is almost impossible for him to repeat. Huddersfield Town can't sack David Wagner because they can't kill Bambi. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's ju it just doesn't... I think I think for all the upside, and there is undeniably upside, and short term it would be a big bounce, and I'm sure for the first five to six games, you know, that they would definitely get a lift on and off the pitch. But I'm just longer term, I just don't... not sure it works. And obviously the club have spent the last three years moving away from the David Wagner era on the back of what you would probably say a bit of a car crash at the end of it, which is uh, is probably not necessarily David Wagner's fault, but it's the fault of putting too many eggs in one basket. So it would be interesting for the club. Like I said on the other podcast the other day, the club have technically lost one coach perhaps over something similar. So to actually throw the baby out with the bathwater two months later would be um, 
would be unfathomable, unfathomable, really, wouldn't it, Dave? But, mm. um, but yeah, I, I'm of a similar sort of thing. Mm. I, I love David Wagner. It's, you know, he's he's my favourite Huddersfield coach of all time. He always will be. Um, pause. I have similar concerns to Dave in terms of the expectation and the the long term view. How how do you see it then with with David Wagner's because. David Wagner comes in, that south stand is full and it's bouncing and everybody's going to have a great, great sort of immediate lift and impact. Um, so from that point of view and obviously the success point of view, how do you feel about it? Uh, at the risk of basically just repeating what you two guys have said, I am very... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Similar line of thinking to you boys, I think. The immediate impact would be incredible. We all know what Wagner did. Um, I think it would just... I think the club have got to be careful because they keep saying a lot of stuff that sounds really good. They said it when Carlos joined. They said it when Carlos came in. They've, they've said they want X, Y and Z to happen. And it doesn't always... Follow through, we get sort of 12, 18 months and then they're out because something's happened somewhere. Um, I know Bromby said that this is a massive appointment, but I think every managerial appointment is massive. And mm. if you want a job, you can go in and say, yeah, that's fine. I'm happy to work with this. I'll do that. I'll do the other because you want the job. When you're in that job, if you're not really of that mindset, that's when cracks start to come in. And I think that's what probably happened under Cowley's. And I think that's probably what happened under Corbran. And if you bring in Wagner in, to me, as you've said, Matt, when he was with us, he was the, he was everything. Yeah. He was the coach. He was the bloody, probably made dinner, probably Matt Pitch. I probably cut grass. And marketing just, was all David Wagner based. He was everywhere, wasn't he? And, and at yeah. that point, I think that is what Huddersfield Town needed because it was, we'd gone through, managers that were a bit wishy-washy and he came in and he was fresh and he was new and it worked and I can fully understand why Hoyle said here's the basket fill it with David Wagner eggs because this man is an absolute <laughs> genius because he was doing things that nobody else has done and it was it were incredible and it worked and we got promoted and we stayed up and I look back and as much as I love Wagner I wished after Chelsea and Arsenal they'd have just gone at that point because the mm. following kind of bit that carried on from that it does although it doesn't tarnish the legacy it, it there's a little bit of doubt, you know, did it get too much for him, you know, and all that sort of Fizzled stuff. And I think, out, yeah, I think that will probably be because everything we're going through with him. It were, Dave, what do you think we should do here? Dave, what about this? What about that? What about this? And he wanted 
to manage, not do everything. Now that structure is in place behind. Can he sit down with Hoyle and say, look, I am. Yeah, that's fine. I'm happy to work with that. I think the problem, the big problem he would have would be the expectation. I've spoken to people and, oh, Wagner's coming back. That means we're getting promoted. No. That was a ridiculous comment to make. We are in such a different position. As you've just said, Matt, he had a full pre-season. He brought in 10 players. He did things his way. We are now, what, nine, ten games in? Mm. He's not got that luxury. He's got to work with what he's got until at least January. Are we going to buy in January? No, we get told historically that. No, we don't because prices are overinflated. So he's got what he's got yeah. for the rest of the season within reason. Is he going to come in and we're not going to get a promotion charge, are we? He'll might keep us safe. He might keep us up, which would be a good achievement. Mid-table would be fine. However, as Dave's quite rightly pointed out, what happens long-term after that? Is it a 12-month deal? Is it till the end of the season? I would just love to get someone who stays for three, four, five years and really has a Yeah, I was going to say, David Wendell's a whirlwind, isn't he? Yeah, he comes in and everyone gets excited and, you know, like having a puppy and he runs around and goes mental for... 25 minutes and then he's asleep. <laughs> what, I want to, what, no, what I want is someone to come in, and I've said this for years now, I want someone to come in and be there for five years. And the club talk about this progression. We talk about you know people coming in. Yeah. You need time. You can't just be there for 12, 18 months and then gone and someone hope that you can find someone that fits in. Give them time. And if they start to struggle or they want a little bit more, sit down and negotiate with them to, to keep them on board, not mm. just... Or the going, you know. Oh, let's get, let's try find someone in to add another layer to this lasagna or whatever. You know, it's it's. Let's get someone in who we know will be there long term, and that's the challenge that they've got for me. Unless someone comes and approaches them, you know, you take that. That's fine. That can happen. That means he's done a good job for town, so I'm happy with that. But let's not get to a situation where we're having this conversation mid-season, next season, about why did this person mm. do it? Why did, you know, what went on behind the scenes? Is X having too much of an input? Did Y want to do something, but the manager didn't? It, it's got to be nailed out and it's got to be clear right from the start that this is how we do it. If you're not going to like it, don't apply, basically. Um, yeah. Can I, can I just point to a, a very obvious example? But... Obviously, Brighton and Hove Albion, a club I know a little bit about, um, <laughs> took it, it, we made a huge decision to get rid of Chris Hewton. You bring in Graham Potter, who is somebody you know you've got to put time into, like, and there was a lot of there, there were a lot of moments where you're like, is that are things improving? Are things going forward? But it is only if you want to see change and if you want to really sort of have an imprint on a club, you know, two years is like the minimum to get where you want to be. The problem is in football now, 18 months is a decent spell because you're you're only as good as your last three games, really. This is the problem. So the next decision for town, why it's difficult and why they have to take the time is because I think it's also a little bit defines what they're going to be for the next five or six years. Because are they going to be a club who goes and gets a coach and they put a lot of time into them and they're patient and they say, okay, we know this season is not going to be perfect, but what we want to see is we want to see the needles move on these things. And if we see them moving and we're happy and we're progressing in the right way, we know we're building to something where we can have a sort of special season at some point, or are they going to be a club that want 
somebody to win on Saturday and the following Saturday and the following Saturday because you can't always do both. That's that's mm. the, the ultimate reality. You can't always do both. Now, as Posa just said, if, if someone comes in and poaches your manager and pays a fortune for them, you can't do anything about that. That is just football. But ultimately, you get paid out for that. You know, you get a nice whack, a nice lump sum come in for them. It is what it is. But what they can't do is just another the 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 real thing i don't like about the wagner appointment more than anything else if it were to happen is if it's only till the end of the season i just think it's just such a it it, it like it, you can't really go and recruit someone for the summer because as i said what happens if wagner does really really well uh, or he gets the taste for it. You know, Town are, are not in trouble. They're lower mid-table, but he's got the taste for it again and he thinks I can do it because you can't say no at that point. So it's it's a, it's a an interesting appointment and I think they are making, they are saying the right things about retaining that structure and getting somebody who comes in and sits within that. That's what I want to see. And you have to ask the question, does David Wagner sit within that structure I'm not sure he does. I'm not sure he does. And yet, overall, all three of us are sitting here saying this and agreeing with each other. But knowing if David Wagner says, I would like that job, he will get that job. Yeah, and we would love it. Maybe not you, Dave, cause, but as town <laughs> fans, me and Pozza would be loving it. But mm. I, I agree. And like I said on the other one, I look at what we need. And there's the immediate danger, isn't there, that Huddersfield Town are in the bottom three of the championship, the the key really mm -hmm. is to survive. So there is that risk, isn't the way you go out and you bring in an unproven coach and the players don't respond and you've got the Barnsley situation all over again. Um, for me, for, for the job itself, feels like we need what I would refer to as a master builder, if you like. Um, I thought we had one. You've been watching the Lego movie. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely need someone <laughs> who can build but... Uh, <laughs> the thing is you look at us and we're always going to be selling players aren't we at the end of the season it's very difficult to build something at Huddersfield Town because you know Lewis O'Brien went in the summer next summer they're probably already you know thinking who can we sell because Dean Hall's already mentioned we need to bring in I don't know five million a year to sort of break even um, you know they're going to be looking at Sorba Thomas Jack Radoni and then they're the, the, constantly going to be this cycle of replacing players so what you really need is is a coach who can who can improve players and bring you know and, and fatten them up and sell them on uh, you need somebody who is going to keep the spirit of of people going when and not lose it so when you start selling players they're not going to throw the toys out of the pram like you said Pozza they know exactly what's happening uh, so you need somebody who can build slowly methodically carefully without dropping into the bottom three and looking like we're going to be doomed and it's a very tough job really when you can't build because you're having the foundations pulled from under you so it's a very difficult sell as much as it is a difficult job as well so you look maybe at the the odds and the one that makes a lot of sense at the minute is probably Anthony Barry when you talk about things Lee brought, you know, mm -hmm. and Carlos Corbrand's free again, of course. So you look at <laughs> Anthony Barry. That, yeah. that <laughs> would be, be amazing. Can you imagine that if he came back? Oh, I'd love, do you know what? I'd love to be a fly on Lee Morris's <laughs> wall if, uh, if Carlos Corbrand <laughs> came back. <laughs> Sorry, Lee. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so town need that. Builder, don't they? And you look at Anthony Barry and you look at his coaching record, and 
he ticks every box Lee mentioned in his remit. But the problem is, when he comes in, will the players look at him and go, who is this guy? He's played for Akron and Stanley, and will, and will some of them play up? And when you're in the bottom three, you can't run the risk of the players not respecting who's walking through the door. So they need, no. for me, they need some kind of face or they need somebody with a little bit of nous experience. So Anthony Barry could come in with... Um, I don't know, let's just throw a random... Steve McLaren as as his number two. It won't be Steve McLaren, but you, you get the idea of where I'm going. Somebody, you know, with that experience and respect. So you need to get the balance right in the management structure as well. And obviously, you need to keep Chicho. You can't sack Paul Harsley after four weeks. Paul Harsley's <laughs> going to be here long-term as well. So you've got Paul Harsley's going to be the lead development coach. You've got Chicho who does defence and set pieces. So you need your head coach and you need someone maybe who's good tactically and a little bit of championship experience. So, you know, we've seen Michael Carrick mentioned again, somebody who's cut his teeth a little bit. Um, I, I imagine it'd be quite difficult to get away from Man United, by the way, Michael Carrick, but you know, somebody like that, who's got a background, a decent background in playing the players are going to respect. He's comes, come from a top club. You know, they make a bit more sense than what David Wagner does. The, the problem Huddersfield Town have got is they need the bounce because up until Saturday, there were five points adrift from third bottom of the league. And I know it's early, but it's still, when you're down there scrapping, it's still points you've got to claw back and then claw away from. So, And it doesn't look weak, this championship. It looks decent. Reading, we, we all had Reading 24th pre-season. Look at them up in third. It's a really strange season and it's a strong season. So Huddersfield can't make a mistake in this. So they can't go out and get uh, an Anthony Barry, a Brian Barry Murphy, or somebody from a, an, e an elite development team that the pl that's going to take a while as well for them to get their ideas across. They can't bring someone in who's going to take three months, you know, trying to get them to play in a certain way and, and rip the rip it, rip the playbook up like Danny Schofield did as well. So they have to be very careful with this appointment, and they need not necessarily to hit the ground running but they need to start picking points up early. And they're in a bit of a, a situation here whereby I can see why Wagner's so appealing short-term, like you said, Dave, but long-term, I think it's it's the position we find ourselves in has probably made this choice a bit more difficult. And like they said, Dave, Lee Bromby said this is a massive appointment for him. Mm. But I, there are there are names out there that I, I, think, would, I think would be good. But the problem Trust is me. that... Well, you know, you look at someone like Paul Warden. I know he's done very well this season, but he's somebody that I've liked for quite a while. And there are, I think there there are things you would question. You know, his sides haven't really been able to play much football. It's not particularly attractive, but a lot of that has been the positions they've been in, the recruitment that has been done because they have been very much horses for courses rather than trying to build or towards anything or or be something more. I think he would be an interesting name to throw in there. I think there are well, I, I know I know there are names they're speaking to that, that aren't out there that are of a certain profile. And it's it's that profile of people who come in and can command a little bit of respect from the off but have not necessarily been managers before so you know it, it's it's people who the players go all right okay <laughs> you know we have to take things seriously here and i think there needs to be a little bit of of that i think that i think the problem town have got is, is there's there's 
it, I hate to go over what we were saying, but the problem is there is a, a great big baseball cap sized shadow over Tony the Pulis. whole thing. And that is a little bit of an issue because I think they need to sort of, they need to decide what they're doing sooner rather than later because there are some people who don't want to be second choice or feel like they're second choice. So, you know, there is, there is that issue to consider as well. Um, but I think the respect thing is quite clearly something that needs to happen because that, that you've seen the difference in the players being told their standards are dropped and, and being told they needed to get back on it this week. It needs to be somebody who maybe is not at Carlos level in terms of detail and et cetera, because that, that really was pretty extreme, but it's somebody who really, has got to be unaccepting of anything less than 99.9%, shall we say. I think another problem that they've got is if they don't give it to Wagner and they give it to somebody else and they don't do well, all you'll get is, should have given it to Wagner. So yeah. <laughs> whoever, whoever comes in, does that to throw into the mix as well? I do think that I just want to say whoever comes in, I think as... We've talked about this 18-month thing. I think if somebody does come in who is going to be there long-term and doesn't make that immediate impact and we're suddenly not in playoffs, I think the fans have a massive responsibility to play in this as well. We talk about togetherness and we talk about the team and the fans being together as one and all that sort of stuff. The the club have got a really hard thing to do because they really need to convey the message to the fans that this whoever comes in will be there hopefully, long-term, unless they get poached, basically. Because if they're coming on, yeah, we, we scrape survival, but then next year we're struggling and fans get it, you know what they get like, a little bit like this year. Oh, they should be sacked, they should be sacked. Sometimes it can have a knock-on effect through other reasons rather than just football. So I think as fans, we've mm. got to really start to buy into this ethos that the club are trying to do and for the club to get that to happen, they need to start sticking to the word a little bit more in regards to what, what comes out. You know, we, we've heard various things about previous managers and, you know, after the dust has settled, you look back and think, really, did, did that actually happen? You know, did they really track Ian for three years before Wagner yeah. was sacked? You know, Would you give this guy pause? If John Terry, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be some announcement, wouldn't it? If they had John Terry in full kit at the Huddersfield Town 2017, yeah, not quite sure. He's a man for me, um, but he's very interesting. And obviously, Dave, I'm not going to ask you to name the names of the players, potential managers who would come Dave in. Knows. That's if Dave knows. But, well, yeah, um, he could be the all scene, he could not. Yeah, it's interesting. Only Dave. That, you know, someone, <laughs> someone who you've described that to me is a former Premier League player who everybody will be aware of rather than some sort of new up-and-coming yeah. manager that's played at Accrington, for example. But, you know, I'm just trying to run my head, run people like that through my head as I'm speaking, which is why I'm you know, probably not conveying this very well. But if somebody comes in like that, then that again is is potential a long-termer because they're new to management, mm-hmm. but also have that immediate respect, which is clearly what we need. I think what it, it, what it's safe to assume... And I don't know anything here, so don't be pulling this apart for clues or anything. But what it is safe to assume is I think they are talking to a a range of different people with a range of different approaches. So 
I know Lee said he hasn't spoke to David Wagner, but obviously for him to sort of say, you know, it, there would be interest, read into that what you will. But I think if you look at bookies lists are horrible for new manager markets because it takes someone to literally put about 30 quid on for them to suddenly <laughs> move the odds quite drastically. But I would think if you look at some of the names on there, I know some of them are, are, are absolute rubbish. You know, I know some of them are just just basically agents pushing their their men up there. I think, but if I think if you look at the list, I think there's quite clear that there's a little through thread with some of them, but then there's a, a sort of pretty wide range with the others. So what I would say is at the moment, there is no decision being made. There is no we weird sort of as in the dark as anybody else here. So all we can do is speculate, but I would imagine that, you know, within a fortnight, they really want to be certainly if they haven't appointed, they want to be somewhere very, very close because the season, because of the way it's set up with the world cup, it's just slipping away. <laughs> you know, it's the games come thick and fast. It is relentless and they, they need to get a body in. So yeah. Next fortnight, there's probably going to be all sorts of names flying around. I think the thing to remember is probably genuinely about two-thirds of them are going to be absolute bunkum. Instant, in, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Carlos Carbrand's just made the list at 25 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, <laughs> so he's above, I don't think he's I'd above, put a fiver on that. No. Is, you know, uh, Michael Heffley, 33 to 1. Someone must have had a 30 quid bet on him because that's ridiculous. Gus Poyer, uh, Robbie Fowler. That's Gus Robbie yeah, Fowler makes I, the list of everyone every time, don't you? About 20 yeah. to 1. And I he think what you have to understand what you have to understand, the way that a lot of agents for these for these coaches, these figures work, is they want they don't want them to become Alan Kerbishley where everybody just forgets about them for two years and then that's it, they're forgotten forever. So, you know, it's not the fact that Duncan Ferguson has suddenly become extremely interested in the Huddersfield Town job. It's the fact that Duncan Ferguson's agent is just going, hang on a sec, Duncan, we don't want this to get to the point where you're not being linked with jobs. So, you know, and there, there is, believe you me, there is quite a bit of that that goes on. There's quite a bit of that that goes on. There's other managers who... They want to be linked, just they want a job in England. So this may not be the job for them, but they suddenly want their name to sort of be discussed in relation to these jobs in the hope that a chairman somewhere goes, oh, who's who's this bloke, you know? So it, it's that new manager markets and new manager lists are all so wildly all over the place. You know, look at Brighton have, have named their new manager and they've said they've not spoken to anybody else since since. Graham Potter went, they only had one person they spoke to, one person they interviewed. Allegedly, we've been linked with a couple of guys from France. We've had, There was a Spanish guy we were linked with. We were linked with Poch at one point. We were linked with Tuchel at one point. You know, we've been linked with Steve Cooper at Forest. It's just a mad market and a mad gossip mill, the new manager one. Mm -hmm. I think an interesting name, an interesting name that's not actually appeared on the list, um, which was brought to me by a pal of ours, uh, Pause in Josh Quirk. Um, Josh mentioned uh, Hannah's Wolf. Um, he was uh, mentioned in the 
odds. Again, doesn't he be? Yeah. Isn't this about the third time he's been linked with town? Yeah, it was mentioned, wasn't he, when we went with the Cowleys? Um, mm. And he's he's obviously free at the minute, having had a spell with Leverkusen, uh, and he doesn't look like he's done anything for a year. So I would imagine someone like Hannes Wolf. It, it, he did a good job, didn't he, about five years ago with Stuttgart and took Stuttgart to the Bundesliga, um, but not really had masses of success since. But he keeps getting <clears throat> mentioned here and there, doesn't he, with, with the odd job. So, But again, someone like him could work within the structure that Lee Bromby's identified. But, you know, so there's another one for the discussion point. Brought to you by uh, Josh Quirk, um, Hannes Wolf. You could like like Dave said that you couldn't you could quite easily just start throwing random names in, couldn't you? Well, you threw yourself in the ring, didn't you, Paz? So throwing. No, well, I've so. just uh, refreshed Sky a bit and I've gone, you know, I'm forty-two to one. So whoever put that money on. <laughs> but that, <laughs> but, but I think, I think people, I th- I think people need to understand that this is a genuine thing. If the three of us went and put a tenner on Wolf now. All at the same time, he would genuinely suddenly appear at about mm. twenty-five to one out of nowhere. And if somebody else went and put a tenner on him because he suddenly appeared, he will then go into about twenty. And that's just how this market works. It's often based on absolutely nothing. It's a lovely market for bookies. They really, really love new manager markets because they absolutely clean up time and time again on it. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah, probably tells you all you need to know. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> yeah. So, if you've listened to us, you probably know wiser, are you, as to what we've just uh, brought? And I don't think Huddersfield <laughs> Town are at the minute. So, let's end the poll. I've put, I've thrown a Twitter poll in. I'm sorry, not a Twitter poll. I've thrown a um, YouTube poll in. So, 67% would like David Wagner back uh, of the 30 odd, 36 people who are watching at the minute. Uh, 19% for Other, 9% for Paul Warren, and 3% for Anthony Barry. And whilst I've got your attention there as well, if everybody that's watching would be so kind as to click the like button, uh, this is my beggy moment, Dave, which we do, because if people take just a second to click that like button, what happens is it puts us to sort of the top of some of the Huddersfield Town searches and more people will be able to find Andy takes that chance. Because at the minute, nobody watches. So, you know... <laughs> so it'd be much appreciated if uh, if people did that. That'd be great. I've done my bit to get you in a Detroit Lions search, so can't do more. There we go. Let's read some of the comments coming in then. So uh, Nathan says, "Does anyone on the pod think Wagner could potentially ruin his good reputation with town fans if he is appointed and it goes wrong?" I think he could with some people. I think a lot of I think those of us on the pod will probably be, be, be able to compartmentalize it a little bit and say you know mm-hmm. he was good here that didn't work there but we can also look at everything surrounding it so i think in terms of us we'll probably be a bit more um holistic you know about about it but i think in terms of because sometimes with football fans they're not as invested as you know or not as bothered about the chat as we are some sometimes they just want black and white don't they good bad etc and I think with people like that yes I think if he came and didn't do very well he would but I think with other people who tend to be a bit nerdy like us I think we'd be able to sort of put certain things in certain boxes and talk about why things worked and why things didn't work and ultimately my young lad still has the middle name of David so and you know I'm not going to change that by deed Paul anytime soon like you Dave yeah that's who I isn't it 
That's that, <laughs> I, that's. I was I was also named after David Wagner, for, 40, <laughs> 43 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, forty three years ago. I don't know how they knew. Your mother was a seer. But pause. <laughs> speaking as you know, like me as as a town fan, David Wagner comes in, doesn't do very well. I don't think it ruins what he did the first time round for me personally. I don't know how you feel. Probably just for a lot of people. So uh, no, you he, he, he done he's achieved that, and you know it, that can never be taken away. However, it would I would feel uncomfortable, shall we say, if he got on a bad run, hurling any form mm. of abuse at him. <laughs> Do you know can, what I mean? Can I I just... You just have to, I've got too much respect want, for it. So we need yeah. a manager you can happily abuse, is that what we're saying? Yeah, that's fine. Get someone in a weapon. <laughs> but if, if I if I can give you a comparison point, he didn't do very well in his second spell, and he made a horrendous PR mistake, and things weren't great. Let's be honest. But no Liverpool fan thinks less of Kenny Dalglish, do they? No. I, no. I think in the immediate aftermath, often it's you know oh, I can't believe it, you know, etc. But once you've had a couple of months and the dust has settled, I don't think anybody would be seriously sort of taking down their, taking down their sign, David Wagner, baseball cap, etc. What about you for Steve Grit? It was Steve Grit a manager at Brighton. <laughs> what happens if he came? He was, he was, and he, he's, uh, yeah, he walks on water. He's, he stuck with us <laughs> and he saved us. So, uh, yeah. There you go. Give Steve Grit the job for Brighton. Let's carry on with some of these. So Martin Sykes says, anyone... But Wagner, Martin, I think you need to start your match reports again because I think a lot of people are missing those. He says mm. never reheat a souffle. I don't think I've ever had. A, I don't think I've had a souffle for a long time. But yeah, oh, right, delicious. <laughs> John Pearson says definitely don't want Barton. I think I don't think you're alone with that, John. Uh, Dan Hem says would love to know from you guys if you think the club is being run correctly in terms of structure. Players bought for a coach, not a manager, going to get a player he wants. So I think in terms of that, uh, I did a little monologue type thing on the last episode, so you can I won't go over it again. If you want to hear it, you can go listen to the Schofield, uh, Schofield is sacked one. Um, but essentially, I think it comes up to joined up thinking, and it's a lot more difficult to get joined up thinking between different compartments and different people than it is just a manager and his assistant. Um, so I think things have to line up correctly. But I think in terms of structure, I just feel town... A, are relatively decent, I think. Um, but yeah, I do understand that a lot of football fans in general have an issue whereby someone goes and gets players for a coach, don't they? Um, and the coach doesn't necessarily have sign off, and I understand that. Um, do Huddersfield Town have it right? I think so. Although we're second part with the championship at the minute, so I can understand why people would say no. What about you, Dave? <laughs> I think the thing that needs saying and probably doesn't get said enough is running a football club is really, really hard. It it really is. You know, to get everything right, it, it's it's very, very difficult. And that's why you have that's that's why you have so many basket case clubs in the second tier. You look at the way Watford are run and the Pozzo family run them awesome. really weird (laughs) really weird you you can look at sort of some of the things that have gone on at West Brom you can look at how Burley is currently being run where they've decided to 
basically kind of adopt a Mike Ashley model, which is they don't want to invest when they're in the Premier League, but the minute they drop into the Championship, it's a serious issue and they need to get back to the Premier League. I think, you know, is everything perfect at Huddersfield Town? I think no, definitely not. But they are trying harder than most to create something long-term and stable and that that doesn't just uh, sort of collapse the minute a manager goes because they've seen what happens when it does and it's a bit grim. The one thing I would say is the problem you've got in football in every single league is that money is still the silver bullet. You know, every, every, every single league has got a team where you go, whatever the problem is, however badly they run, however many managers they have, how many players they have, if you throw enough money at it, everything will be right. And that's what warps the thinking a little bit, I think. But you only have to look at like what's happening at with Nottingham Forest to see that just signing a load of players and spending a load of money doesn't always work and it doesn't always work straight away. So what I would say is our town being run perfectly. No, but is any club being run perfectly? At least Huddersfield town are, well, yeah, my dear boys, but (laughs) what I would say is, you know, Huddersfield town are trying to create something sustainable and something long-term. And I think that is admirable. And I think, uh, it may not be roller coasters and fireworks, but there is something to that. Okay, uh, let's crack on with some of these comments. Uh, Matt says, "Give it a day or two, and Steve Cooper will probably be available." Uh, Nick B says, "I can't see any good experienced coach not wanting to sign his own players. I think that really limits us both short and long term." Gary Wilkinson says, "I think Wagner would accept the current structure and work with it. A lot of the things we have in place now came from Wagner." Uh, Phil Marston says, maybe we need a manager uh, of the type we have not tried before. Part of the failure of the current system is because we have tried to replicate David Wagner. Uh, Gary Wilkinson says, agree, it has to be at least a two-year deal for the new man. Jonathan Dennis says, Wagner revolution. Uh, Matt says, if you wrote all of the desirables down for the role, how many does John Terry tick? Not saying he is the man, but should be an option we are looking at. We've, We've had a quick chat about John Terry. Uh, and Phil Marson says, lol at John Terry, he gets everywhere, doesn't he just? <laughs> uh, Ponte Terry says, I'm taking a cheeky punt on Liam Manning, young and upcoming. I'll be having a couple of quid on him on Skybet. Uh, Nick B says, what's Bielsa doing these days? Probably sat on bucketfuls of cash, I think, at the minute, Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, but I think that's it from the comments there. So thank you to everybody who's joined us online uh thanks for getting in touch uh thanks for clicking that like button as well 11 of you have done that i much appreciate it um any more fancy doing it that would be fantastic um guys i think that's it from me for this week anything that you'd like to finish on before we wrap it up no not from me Matt. i think, I think uh... this is the point because i don't think there's going to be a uh, chicken trick podcast this week is the day because uh, stevens no I've been away at the weekend, so uh, that's disappointing for me and Poz and Cosy. Cosy loves your podcast, by the way. He absolutely loves listening to it. He sits there and talks about proper analysts and you and Chicken and then slags me and Poz off. <laughs> it makes us feel <laughs> inferior podcasters, doesn't it? Um, but usually at this point, Stephen would go, uh, what music are you listening to this week, Dave? Well, 
I'm sort of kind of off my uh, people who know I've been listening to nothing but Massive Attack for about two weeks. I've sort of kind of weaned myself off it by going back to the Prodigy, who I recommended about four weeks ago. So at the moment, I just feel like I'm going around in circles, I'm afraid. There we go. Dave is a fire starter, a twisted fire starter. Poz, any musical taste from you, or are you still back on Kasabian 2004 classics? Um... Randomly, I was I was listening to is it the new H and Ed Sheeran song, which is definitely not targeted at my age, but I found myself <laughs> toe tap into that. So ginger yeah. solidarity, though, isn't it, with you and Ed Sheeran? What well, it is, mate. Yeah, I often get confused when wandering around Halifax. You know. Have you tried the new Arctic Monkeys song? It's a little bit. No, um, I mean, I've I'm not, not heard that, but I will check it. Definitely love the Arctic Monkeys, but the last album and this one just. A... Struggling with it. But I think that's it for this week. Um, we'll do Top of the Pops another time. But Dave, thank you very much for coming on. Um, no Dave, um, all those books back there, but I can't see one particular special one that you can hang. I, it is. I don't I don't know which one you're referring to. Um, <laughs> no idea, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. No, Silver Linings, Bobby Robson's England. If you do want a book, Christmas is coming, etc. and so forth. And I'm sure there looks to be quite a few copies on there. And I reckon Dave might even sign it for you if you're if you're a Huddersfield fan or a Brighton fan. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's always a great thing. So thank you everybody. Um, let's roll in uh, the end credits, and uh, hopefully, if we win another game anytime soon, pause. We'll be back. We haven't po- we haven't podcasted after a couple of defeats, have we? So um, hopefully, we're back. Enjoy the international break, and maybe we'll have a new manager next time we reconvene. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all Upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to Huddersfield Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. 
Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery delivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.